Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Style Guides podcast. My name is Brad Frost. I'm Anna Debenham. And today we are thrilled to have with us Val Head. Val. Hi, thanks for having me on the show. Yay. Yay. Are you are you broadcasting from literally five doors down from me? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I might be so, just down. Are the you street. like waving out the window at each other? <laughs> My headphone cable doesn't reach that far, but if it did, I would try. <laughs> we could we could have recorded this podcast using the old like soup cans and the string between <laughs> Yes, because that's great audio quality from those I hear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so Val, you are <laughs> besides living down uh, uh, the street from me. Mm-hmm. Do you want to give uh, an intro into your world, what you do, what you talk about, uh, all of that stuff, and sort of how you've come into the magical world of design systems and style guides and all that good stuff. Yeah, so I have, a, I have a secret mission of getting web designers to use more animation and use it more smartly, because that's a word. Um, mm. And really, I've just been, over the last few years, super excited about what we can do with web animation and how we can really change what animation means on the web. So I've written a couple books about it, one specifically about CSS, a recent one all about designing interface animation, um, and worked with a lot of different clients and folks and uh, you know taught people how to do animation and worked with a lot of folks on how to like make animation work for them and their project and their product, um, which has been really, really fun. So, I mean, that's kind of how I've gotten into the design system things because a lot of people realize like, hey, if we put all this work into like this particular animated interaction or like defining our brand in motion, we should maybe like document that somewhere so we <laughs> don't have to do it again. Um, and I was like, yeah, good idea. So I've also worked with a few different um, places to help them like get motion in their style guide so that, you know, they, everyone can kind of share from that same knowledge that that small group has, has come up with. Do you find that, that different types of animation are appropriate for different brands? Like maybe you've got a really kind of fun young brand and you want to make the animations really bouncy, whereas another site might be like quite, quite corporate and so you want to make the animations kind of more smooth. Oh, yeah. Is there any kind of approach that you'd go with that? Definitely. I mean, I like to always think about like what the brand is like what its personality is how it defines itself because you know like you just said like there's certain things you want to project and if your brand is Mm. supposed to be very confident and reassuring having things being really squishy and bouncy doesn't really read as confident and reassuring like that would feel like a strange clash Um, Mm. but you can definitely have motion that's very confident in the way it moves like very assertive and, and just knows where it's going and you know if you have that to match what your brand's trying to say about itself suddenly your message is that much stronger as opposed to being confusing and mushy and weird Mm. personality is a really good word for it yeah yeah and that's i think one of the cool things in the sort of evolution of design systems as sort of we we talked anna and i had talked a little earlier about sort of just the evolution of these these terms and stuff and how sort of design system versus say front-end style guide or pattern library or whatever is is we'll say a little more inclusive than mm-hmm. than just than just here's your card pattern or here's this you know media block pattern or here's this you know this form input or whatever. It's really sort of recognizing that yeah 
these components, these low level components actually need to encompass the brand and they need to encompass the, the voice of, of the, of the organization and, and include things like animation that sort of support that stuff as well. So these, these style guides, and I've sort of talked about this a little bit, like in my, in my own sort of conference talks is like, there's a bunch of different flavors, but they all seem to meet, right? That intersection of like brand and voice and tone and components and all that stuff and animation in mm. this sort of, in, in these design systems. So I, I like that, but like w with your clients, Val, like mm. with these places where you're sort of helping them sort of level up their animation game, do, do those companies already have, design uh, like pattern libraries and stuff in place and you're like sort of taking these very flat boring components and putting life into them are they or, or are you doing that in conjunction with them actually building out a like a pattern library or how, how does that usually work um usually i mean usually i get brought in at a point where they're like looking to make changes to things not necessarily like they might have one already and they're like hey we're outgrowing this we need to fix things um but i think like you can think about animation and, and how your brand like manifests itself in motion whether you have one already or not like it's not mm. like if you have a style guide or a design system that's all static right now that like you're stuck with that and you can't do it um there's really I mean, it can be added at either point or, you know, like there's no bad time to start considering that thing that you didn't consider before. Right. Like there's, yeah. there's ways to make it work no matter what point of the process you're in. Yeah. That, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and in my own work, we've sort of, we've sort of carved out areas mm -hmm. for animation and, and sort of other sort of similar topics that are, that necessitate their own hard thinking uh, but like in the process of just getting the, the damn thing out the door, <laughs> we're like, eh, like, you know what, like, we're gonna, we're gonna leave this blank <laughs> for now, yeah. but like, we want to come back to it. We recognize it's like an important thing that we want to spend a lot of time on, but just like in the process of just like getting something like stood up, we, we found that to sort of take a backseat. Uh, mm -hmm. ha have you found that to be the case for a lot of the, the places you've, you've been into? I think a lot of people have experienced that of like, especially when it's something that maybe you haven't thought about much before, like it almost seems so daunting and we tend to leave it to the end because for whatever reason, we've just like collectively figured that you can just add animation at the end and it'll be okay. And it, that's like almost never okay. <laughs> like it almost never <laughs> works. Um, but I think that's kind of the thing that makes people realize they need to document this stuff because yeah. they've realized like, Oh, we had to push this whole project at the door. We had all these animation ideas. We couldn't get any of them in. We just ran out of time. But Hey, if we like spent a little bit of time on like documenting how our brand exists in motion, like even just making ourselves like a small easing library of like, these are the easings we use and they encompass our brand because of these reasons, then that's going to make adding animation in the next time or using animation at all the next time around for that next like sprint or that next project so much easier because it's right there. You're just like, oh, cool. We need that easing. We use this timing done. Um, and yeah. then all that thought or all that that time has like taken place up front and can get used over and over. Um, and then also conveniently, if you do reuse that same like those same guidelines, that same logic and, and kind of fitting, you get a really cohesive system and it's like win-win. Mm. There we go. How do you go about deciding on that kind of easing and that animation? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, do you do any kind of brainstorming or oh, yeah. prototyping? Lots of prototyping usually. Like usually I go look for some, whatever brand definition people have, because everyone's got something a little different, right? Like some people just have like brand guidelines. Some people have design guidelines. Some people have like design guidelines, design guidelines specifically for like UX things, or they have voice and tone. Like there's always something mm-hmm. there that's like, got a short list or at least a summary of like what the brand wants to be um, and then you can pull from some of that um, like I know one, one one example I've used in a few of my talks because they have such a nice concise voice and tone is Intuits and they have some things mm. where they're like you know, they have this nice little summary on each of their points for voice and tone of like the summary characteristics or something like that um, and you can pull from those kinds of characteristics, like those words of things like friendly and human or energetic or, you know, confident, like all of those kinds of words are things you can manifest in animation as well. So then it's kind of a case of like making some prototypes, um, maybe like prototypes of rebuilding existing interactions and trying to, you know, put in that branded motion that kind of like, let's try a, a bouncy easing and see how that looks. Nope, that's not the right energy for our brand. You're like, okay, let's try a very solid ease in out. And you're like, oh, okay, that feels more confident and more um, settled. And, you know, even like an afternoon of, of prototyping some of those things, you really get a feel of like which easings make the most, like feel like your brand and have that same personality. And that can be a really great place to start. Like it gives you a really solid foundation. Yeah, that's just hearing you talk about it is making me <laughs> want to jump into my style guide and, and start adding that. Yeah, it's also how a do fun you kind thing of, to do. <laughs> yeah. And like, how do you kind of sell that to, um, to say, a project manager or something to say, no, this is really valuable? Like, what kind of use cases do you, do you have like, up your sleeve um, for situations like that? Definitely the time-saving factor of, like, you do it once. And this means, like, you know, like, if, for, if it's someone bringing me in, it's like, if I spend, like, this couple of days with, you know, this designer and developer and we put these, get this kind of, like, easing palette together or get these prototypes together... Mm. That means that like a month from now, 10 of your other developers don't have to go through this whole thing because they'll probably yeah. all be on different tasks and all repeat this work if it's not somewhere central. Um, so the time saving definitely. And also just the, the brand consistency. I think that's something folks are really starting to realize is valuable now, like more valuable than we did before. Like kind of like what you were saying earlier, Brad, I was just like, people have realized that like, it's not enough to just be like, here is our card pattern. Here is like our search pattern. Like there has to be something that, you know, holds all like the glue that puts these all together and makes them Mm. like Mm -hmm. your card pattern and your search pattern. And you know, like that kind of, um, I don't know, just that underlying thing that makes it you and not like everyone's card pattern. Yeah. yeah, one complaint that people have with style guides is that they make all the sites look the same. <laughs> yeah. And I think animation is a really good way to kind of differentiate the different sites mm-hmm. and each each site can have a different character. Yeah. Um, and, and also, I guess, um, you have to think a lot about different, uh, different platforms. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Android versus iOS. Do you kind of tweak animations based on the platform or do you generally try and keep it consistent? I think, I mean, it's nice to try to keep them consistent, but just for the factor of like the different ecosystems, you usually have to change them up a little. Um, But when it Mm. comes to things like just like some general easing guidelines and general timing things, you can keep those consistent across a lot of different platforms. Um, You know, it really sort of depends on which ones and how how important they are to you. You can make enough guidelines that or guidelines that are, I guess, are um, basic enough that they could apply to all of them, too. Yeah. Makes sense. It yeah. requires thinking ahead, though, which is so annoying. 
Who does Thinking. Um, yeah, so uh, th- there's a few things. I, I, I think it's I, what I think is is fascinating based on what you said so far is it's almost like having a solid set of a, a solid brand identity or having some sort of voice and tone or at least some 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 set of principles, uh, those sort of design principles that that sort of underpin all of the the sort of decisions in the in the design system as as they pertain to animation mm-hmm. but also things like performance or accessibility or form input or data display or like whatever like having this sort of underlying set sense of what the brand is and what it's trying to accomplish uh, helps you have these specific conversations about <clears throat> things like animation and I, I I think that that's really important and is again something that has historically been missing in the, in the conversations around pattern libraries and stuff where it's just like, again, like the, all the focus was on just here's the UI components. And then we're realizing it's like, you know, why, why do those components look and behave the way they do? And, and to Anna's Mm -hmm. point, it's like, you know, that those are huge opportunities to sort of take it from just, yeah, it's a card that looks like any other card that anyone else has ever seen into something that, is ownable or brandable or, or will help you stand out. So, right. so that, that's just like an observation is I, I, it sounds like whenever you're going into places, if there's stuff, whether that's like a brand deck or brand identity guidelines or voice and tone guidelines or design principles, like that gives you something to, to latch onto. Is that, mm-hmm. is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's really like the difference between looking for like, what is the one right answer and like, what is the right answer for us? I feel like yeah. just as kind of an industry, we're sort of realizing like there isn't always one right way. And sometimes there's like five perfectly acceptable ways. And to figure out which one is best for you is, is the bigger question. It's not necessarily which is right for everyone. Um, yeah. And it's like, yeah. I think that's a more interesting question, but I guess in ways it's also sometimes the harder question. <laughs> but Yeah, because it involves mm-hmm. you taking a stand on something. Mm-hmm. It's like we do this this way and not this way, even yeah. though they're, either way is, is a valid approach. You just like... You have to make decisions, and that is tough. And I, right. I found that very tough. Like in my own work with clients, mm-hmm. sometimes people get really freaked out. They're like, what, "What do you mean? Like we have to, we have to sort of decide one way or the other, or something?" Right. But it's like the most interesting design systems are the ones that have a point of view, and the the way you get a point of view is by making those decisions of being like, "No, we are going to go this direction as opposed to that," and like that's what makes them unique and interesting, I think. Yeah, uh, but definitely yeah. harder, more uh, scarier, definitely, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, one thing that I found really fascinating and sort of in my in my own work, at least, is we've actually put in place conventions uh, just around sort of like CSS architecture and stuff like that. And then the the client was like, you know what? We actually decided that this way would make more sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while we're like, okay, you know, like that's, you know, we could debate whether or not, uh, this double underscore as like our sort of global prefix is the right idea or not. But if by simply having conventions and using conventions right out of the gate, it became like a matter of like find and replace, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but 
Which is awesome because it's like you can have conventions, you can have a point of view, and you can change those points of view down the road as as the system evolves. Oh, right. But it, it just by having like a bounce animation, and then you're you're maybe like ah, like let's actually pull that out, and then any instance of the bounce animation you can replace with one that might make more sense for the brand or something. Right, like the, whatever decisions you make, like whatever your point of view is today doesn't necessarily have to last forever. I think it's, you know, brands change and evolve and your goals is like, you know, if whatever the product is, the goals change. So definitely, I think yeah. there's, it's not like a set in stone forever, which I think makes it a little easier to make those decisions. You're like, all right, we'll do this. And we know that like, if we decide in six months, this did not work or isn't us, we can change it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and again, by, by doing it in a smart way, like, you know, having variables and, mm -hmm. you know, sort of building modularly and stuff like that, you're able to, right. it does just become a really easy change out versus this, oh, we have to burn the whole thing to the ground <laughs> and start from scratch. So I, all that's to say is just, you know, that these kinds of mentalities, like it is scary to like have to make decisions and stuff, but by setting things up in a smart way that sort of anticipates future change mm -hmm. it, it those changes become like almost trivial it's like a, it's like a find and replace or something versus like some some giant uh, redesign right it's like once um, it's a system it's you've got that ease of access as long as yeah. you maintain that like infrastructure is there is there a kind of way that you'd recommend categorizing uh, animation? I'm just thinking like, would you create a say a folder and and put the animations in there? Would you kind of merge them with the components? Um, and also with things like SAS files, do you tend to create mix-ins or are they mainly in the JavaScript? Yeah, like what what are all the ways like animation? Tell man us your man man <laughs> <laughs> How does it all manifest itself like in a style guide? Like how do you actually like? to Anna's point, like how does all this show up in a, in a style guide? And yeah. Kind of all of those ways. I mean, it definitely depends on how the team works already. I usually like to start with like a written thing of just really focusing on the, like, here are the brand traits that are important. Here's how they will be mm -hmm. manifested in motion. And then also mm. some really good defaults of like, you know, some things about performance and accessibility, like, only trans, you know, stick to these properties because it's a better idea for performance and, you know, don't yeah. <laughs> move the button people are trying to click. You know, like some of those really stupid <laughs> defaults that are just like... LinkedIn, oh, that would be LinkedIn, so don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think, I think it's true for all aspects of a style guide or a design system. Like you want to have, you want some just like basic defaults of like, seriously, here's how here's the good way to do it. And then you also want like your personality and your like point of view in it. Um, so I like to start with like that kind of basic just foundation, maybe of just like um, an easing palette, um, some of those like obvious do's and don'ts um, and then kind of build from there. And that might be like building it out into the code base of like adding some of those timings as like, um, you know, SAS variables or it's design variables. tokens or whatever else. Getting those easings, those cubic bezies like into the actual code base. And then, you know, suddenly you have like, four different easings every time you want to make something move and that just saves you time from having to come up with your own. Um, and then for mm -hmm. some people that are maybe more involved or, or bigger teams or covering more ground, even creating like a, a small animation library for them that's like got named animations, like here is our fade out, here is our scale up. Um, you know, like mm. there can be specific mix-ins or whatever to call them um, as well as like a little demo of what they all do. So I think it's... Um, you know, can, can get into all of those places and probably the more 
you know, getting it into your code base, I think is going to make it more likely it'll get used, obviously. Mm. Yeah. Um, if people don't yeah. have to write it from scratch, but also the code base has to like exist <laughs> to put it in there too. Um, so it's, I kind of like to go from that sort of like top down approach of like the really like high level things of like why we're doing this, then get down to the more mm. specifics of like specifically which components are specifically um, which bits of the code base it goes into. Um, I think that helps because then you have that justification of like, this is why we're doing it. Here's the kind of the personality our brand has, or here's why our brand uses motion. Cause you can totally decide you don't. And that is a point of view too, but it's a yeah. very different thing to just not use it. Cause you're like, no, versus like, no, we don't use animation because our brand stands for whatever. Yeah. Like yeah. that, that's a Boring. very different <laughs> decision. <laughs> We are intentionally boring, yeah, <laughs> which is which is fine, I guess. But but yeah, I, I, I love how you're how you're sort of classifying these things. It's like it's there's like a high level guideline, and and like that often lives like as maybe like a page in the mm -hmm. style guide or something, right? So it's like you have things like voice and tone, and there's like a page for that, and mm -hmm. then you have a page for like here's like our philosophy on animation, but then that's going to like manifest itself in those low level components. So in exactly. like the, within the documentation for a given component, you're able to say like, and remember those, <laughs> those yeah. animation guidelines, like here's where, like as this accordion slides down or as this modal pops up and goes away or whatever, here's where that stuff is like actually like taking place. And, and if you want a justification, I guess it's as easy as like cross-linking to that. Yeah. Sort of high high level sort of page in the style guide. So. Oh, you could even say like if like you were saying the accordion thing, like our accordion opens with um, you know, like an overshooting follow through action because we want to, you know, have a high sense of energy as outlined in our design guidelines or yeah. design values. Um yeah. and having those values like stated and it makes it easier for future things, right? Because like the components you have right now, you might have new ones later. And if you have that idea of like these are our brand's motion style like values and this is how we use easing and this is why we use this easing. It's going to make those new components so much easier to fit in because you, you know, you're like, okay, we go back to our base level of what our brand stands for. How do we make that happen in this component versus, you know, you just have this one component that stands out from all the rest because it doesn't <laughs> use the same thing. <laughs> It makes it, I think it makes I've, it more future proof. <laughs> I've seen that so many times. I, I always think of like those uh, WordPress sites that use like some default plugin mm -hmm. that's like a, a light box, like photo gallery thing. And it's like the rest of the, the UI is, is, you know, no nonsense or whatever. But then there's just like this crazy, <laughs> highly animated whiz bang photo yep. gallery. You're like, whoa, that clearly is a third party thing. <laughs> Someone had fun. <laughs> Somebody had fun. <laughs> And if you, you, uh, you sorry, I was gonna say, when you have these like high level design guidelines, like if you're in a place where someone's like, check out this whiz bang photo gallery, and you're like, actually, we can't use that because it doesn't fit our clearly outlined design guidelines around animation. Yeah. And then you can yeah. get that thing out of there. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, you mentioned design tokens mm -hmm. um, a few minutes ago. Could you explain what, what they are? Oh, just for people who haven't heard of them before, I've had a few people on Twitter yeah. ask me what they are, and I don't really have a good answer. I wonder if I know what they are exactly. I always consider <laughs> them, um, what I've called design tokens, is like kind of those like bits of code that refer to specific design related things, like the timing for an animation or like the easing for an animation when it comes to that. It's like you just call those specific pieces um, to put things in together um, and like to build up whatever thing that you're actually making that component or that, that page. Um, mm. 
that may or may not be the right definition. I'm not even sure now. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I thought... I think <laughs> my, my take on them, and, and sort of back to, you know, Anna's question earlier about sort of like differences between platforms and mm-hmm. stuff like that too. So, so design tokens as sort of, I guess, as I understand them is like, you're elevating that, that bounce value or that cubic bezier or that, that uh, animation duration or whatever. And you're elevating that outside of any given technology. It's like, it's, I just want the value, like mm-hmm. the value of that, like ease in or whatever is, is the thing I'm after. It's like yeah. this sort of like implementation agnostic version of this ease. It's, mm-hmm. it's just the definition. And then that will get piped into uh, into a web code base in the form of a SAS variable, or but it'll also get piped into the iOS code base and the iOS appropriate version and the and the Android version. So it's like, but but that value mm-hmm. is the thing that you're really caring about, right? Like, yeah, you, like you're defining these animation values, like thinking about their app, like not not tying them to any specific technology, I guess. So right. it's like, it's like one step above like SAS variables mm-hmm. or something like that. The way, the way I see them as kind of top level variables, yes. like they're the things yeah. that are the least likely to change. Mm-hmm. So things like color swatches, you know, they'd be consistent across different mediums, across different devices. Um, typography mm-hmm. would likely be the same across different devices, um, unless you're doing something specific for a, de- a device. Um, some spacing maybe, um, but then you've got kind of the lower level variables that might dictate what a component, like the background color uses, which might include a design token in it. Um, but it's kind of, you know, easier to change if it were. Yeah, you both describe Whereas, it like, so much might... better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's tough though, and I, I I mean like I think that again these are these are all concepts that we're finally you know we're just now getting our heads around, especially as things like you know if an iOS app is or or vice versa, like if like a web app is looking over the shoulder of the organization's amazing iOS app, mm-hmm. and they're like, ooh, I want that animation. Like, how do I make sure that I achieve the same you know animation sort of uh bouncing and easing and all of mm-hmm. that stuff uh and it's like, also like which parts do you actually you know like you don't necessarily want to replicate it exactly you want to replicate like the i guess like i don't know it's ethos or there's a better word for that i'm sure yeah. but like it doesn't yeah, have yeah. to be pixel perfect the exact animation but it needs to read the same yeah and yep. i think that's where design tokens come in is you have those same base values so you're making similar decisions, even if they may not be precisely like duplicates mm. of each other. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. We've got a good definition. Let's write that down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever we just said. <laughs> it's like with all these terms that are just kind of, they're just coming out of the woodwork and they're still, there's still not a solid definition of it. Um, right. But we're getting there. Yeah. I, I, and again, like I'm sure people, Gina, Gina Bolton, uh, who's sort of helped really, you know, pave the way for a lot of this thinking. It's like, I'm sure that she, you know, could weigh in on this stuff too, but it's like, we need different people that are all sort of kicking the tires of these concepts at individual organizations and stuff and, and coming to similar conclusions. Like Mm -hmm. I, 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 I like seeing this stuff. Like I, I like seeing the evolution of, of, 
Uh, and Val, I'm sure you've seen it just with like with thinking about animation. It's like, doesn't it make you happy whenever you see other people sort of talk about similar things? It's like you're not like necessarily trying to like claim ownership oh, yeah. over over a concept. It's like, yes, more people are thinking about this and are implementing it in their own work and are and are coming you know out with case studies and and stuff like that and data and and anecdotes and all that. Like, I I love that part of part of this industry just because it's like we're all figuring this out together. <laughs> this yeah. is why it's good to talk <laughs> about this stuff. So, uh, so yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's how we come up with like better ideas or just like different ideas. They don't even necessarily have to be better, but it's awesome to see other people implement similar things that you thought about and come out to like to different conclusions or different results. And you're like, Oh my goodness, we're amazing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That always makes me really happy when I see people like, doing similar things but coming to different conclusions or different outcomes you're just like mm. wow collectively we are so smart yeah that's great <laughs> and it, it, it is in that sort of showing that like you know back to just like documentation it's like taking that like extra little bit to go like oh you know we put a lot of blood sweat and tears into this thing we we, we implemented it and we found that it worked or, or didn't work or whatever and like that's actually worth sharing and mm-hmm. I, I love that that was great um, do you do you have any examples that you really love that you'd love us to kind of look at and and share? Oh, for like um like style guides, design system stuff. Yeah, yeah, that that include animation yeah. things that you think they've done it really well. So one of my recent favorites is the IBM Carbon. Is that's what they called it, right? Yeah, um, Carbon just Design ha- System. Yeah, and I know that it's like the kind of I think it's their second iteration because they had their machines in motion before. Um, sometimes I keep, lose track because IBM is so giant. But the carbon one, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, the carbon one, when I, uh, it's, I, sorry IBM. Um, but you no, are. <laughs> but what I love that they've done is like they have. It's like one page of their style guide. It, it's it's a really great example of like a just the basic things you'd need to do motion well. Like they talk about first, like why they're doing motion, the things, their goals for motion of like the things it should be, what they would judge motion against. And then they have like, there's like a simple short list of like easings that they use. And I think they talk a bit about performance um, and they talk about durations and that's kind of it. Like they've just really boiled it down to like the main core things you need to do animation well on a system. They have those values. They have the easy and the duration. And like that is a perfect starting point to really create a system around your animation and make animation part of your design system. Um, and the way they put mm-hmm. it together, they make it seem so effortless too, which I'm sure it was not as effortless as it looks. <laughs> but like they really put it together in a way that's like very appealing. You read it and you're like, I could do that. I got it. Um, and I think that's mm. just a really great example of, you know, having motion in your style guide because you want it to be like empowering any part of it. Like people read it and you're like, I can do that. You don't want it to be like yelling at people and being like, you're doing it all wrong because <laughs> then no one's going to use it. So I, I really yeah. love how they put that together. Yeah, no, it is, it is. It's just like a. It's it's always fun whenever you just like hit a, a a web page at a URL that just like is contains so much gold. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm looking at this page now, and it's like, yeah, it's just a really nicely laid out piece of HTML. <laughs> it's yeah, awesome. it's just it really like gets the point across. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's exactly. Job, they're like, here's here's they got exa- across exactly what they need to, and just like. Yeah, perfectly, just perfectly executed in that sense. Like they said what they needed to say, it's useful, and you're not like drowning in it or, you know, you can just mm. actually take it and go with it. So well done. Yeah. 
and I'm and I'm looking at sort of some of their like low level components, like I'm on like their modal and stuff, and you can actually see those motion guidelines in play and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Uh, so so again, like it's that it's that sort of cross linking or that interplay between sort of like high level philosophy and like principles and then like low level execution of those principles and those like together is what makes the the system solid yeah exactly uh, there was really uh, cool. there was um I, I think it was android wear had a really good style guide for that mm. because so much of the kind of watch interfaces around animation and motion and um i i really liked that one for kind Ooh. of yeah, just uh, I think they had some yeah they had some gifs kind of demoing how how different transitions should work and the speed and um, I, I thought that was really great. I haven't seen that one. I'm gonna have to check it out. That sounds like a good one. I'll send you a link. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think that there, there's obviously a lot of uh, at that sort of like native or like OS level stuff. I think that those are have you have you found that Val like like outside of the world of the web? Like I feel like people like like windows and ios and whatever they've been you know really blazing trails with respect to animation especially probably mm. i would assume because of like performance and stuff at, at, you know the web has always been lagging behind as <laughs> yeah. far as like actual performance goes but like have you taken a look at those sort of like like the hig and other stuff like that and windows guidelines and stuff for for animation do they do they talk about that stuff um, I mean, Apple's doesn't a whole lot, at least not their, the public-facing one, but I always kind of imagine, I mean, I'm just totally making this up, that they have, like, some internal one they're all following, because they seem yeah. to do some pretty consistent use of animation that I, I, like, I feel like there's something there that they're all following. <laughs> they're just not <laughs> sharing it with the rest of the community. Come yeah. on. <laughs> or maybe it's just, like, the Apple hive mind. I don't know, but I feel like there's something there. Um, and I, I know Windows had a little bit of something, but I haven't looked at theirs recently. Um, oh, they've got a really good Do one they? around uh, Xbox. Oh, um, yes. The Kinect. Mm -hmm. They have really, like, really intense uh, documentation on, on gesture mm -hmm. um, uh, and yeah. uh, the types of interfaces that are appropriate for that. Oh, great. Um, but I'm also thinking, like, with uh, a lot of devices around, like, phones and things just the things that you that have touch screens mm -hmm. like animation just makes so much sense there because it is something that you're touching and um it it's it's got more kind of it, it's more human in mm -hmm. a way whereas with it, it with a sort of keyboard and mouse interface you don't have that uh connection oh yeah and um, it's a bit more abstract i think that's a big reason why like animations become more acceptable or almost expected in interfaces because of the touchscreens. Mm. Like we're like mm. there, it just felt natural and normal. And now when we go to like this, you know, computer keyboard thing, we're like, wait, why is, why aren't we seeing it here? Mm. Um, which I think might also be part of the reason why the web feels like it's a little behind some of these, but I think we're catching up quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good job, web. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, and that's just it. It's, it all again comes back to, it's like, you know, stand on the shoulders of giants, mm -hmm. learn, learn from different places, learn where the seams are, where it's like, well, maybe this doesn't make sense to bring into the world of, of the web and, or, or maybe it does, I don't know. But right. uh, just like having those, those resources uh, available, which is why it's so great for more organizations to share these things. Uh, it's just helpful for everyone. Oh, definitely. Um, I'd love to talk real quickly just because, so 
I hate to say that like animation is like a niche like within the design system universe, <laughs> but it, it it tends to mm-hmm. get bucketed out. Like like looking at the carbon stuff, or it's like you know it's like it's its own page. It exists you know besides beside iconography or besides typography and stuff like that. And that's that's how I've seen them in in other you know guidelines and stuff as well. One of the other ones that tends to get sort of bucketed out is uh, around accessibility. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd love to talk about sort of the intersection of sort of motion and accessibility and what that means for sort of patterns that live inside of, of a design system sort of pattern library. Like how, how does all of that come to be? Like how, how should like teams that are building these systems be thinking about sort of creating, you know, things that are moving and have some life to them and and, and encompass the brand, but are also, you know, being cognizant of of being accessible. Right. And and it's like, animation kind of opens up some different ways of thinking about accessibility that we didn't have to before. I mean, there's some like, hopefully basic, obvious things like we was talking about before, like don't move the button people are trying to click on. But like, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, as, as silly as it is to state that, I've definitely seen sites that move the button I'm trying to click on. On <laughs> so, LinkedIn, LinkedIn. So, yeah, it's, it happens. So I think having some basic stuff like that, like there's still the things in the web content accessibility guideline that has some pretty good basic things, even though that was written quite some time ago. You know, they say like have pause and play controls for things that play for more than five seconds. Um, mm-hmm. And if you think about it, most carousel like anything or any sort of slideshowy situation that loops forever, that's more than five seconds. Maybe you should be able to pause that. Um and, you know, things about, uh, like, having those controls, flashing the screen, obviously. Um, but, the, you know, so those kind of basic things. Um, and there's also some more sort of sophisticated things, like the idea of, like, you know, depending on what sort of accessibility you're talking about, you know, having things shown in motion and visible on screen can actually reduce the cognitive load for some people. It, it can make things easier to follow that might have been mm. difficult to understand before. Um, so I think like that's kind of the, the things you want to do versus the other ones you don't want to do. Um, and then the other one that comes up is obviously uh, vestibular disorders and the idea that you could actually make people dizzy or ill from giant, huge movement, um, which like we never had to think about before because we couldn't do it. <laughs> um, so I think there's a lot going on with like um, uh, the reduced motion query and things like that yeah. um, that I think are going to be super helpful of just like, I really love that that allows users to like say, hey, I don't, I need reduced motion. And then like websites can respond to that as opposed to individual sites having to deal with it themselves. Um, so I think being cognizant mm-hmm. of that, of like realizing when maybe you do have those really big movements and, and those like parallax things that might cause some harm in that sense of like having a way to either, you know, tone it down um, or, you know, use that reduced motion query. So that way, if someone has that set, they won't see as much motion. Um, so I think being responsible in that sense of like, you know, thinking about the user and the effect it might have on it. And then it's not to say you shouldn't use any animation at all because there's plenty of animation that may not affect those sorts of things ever. Um, but if you don't think about it, how do you know? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. It's, it's, so, so do I have this right? So I've only read a very sort of like cursory overview mm-hmm. of this whole reduced motion query. It, is it, so like if I was building a modal pattern, right, for the for the pattern library, you can write, sort of a media query-ish looking thing that mm-hmm. basically says if the user has ticked the box that says, like, I don't prefer motion, 
or, or, or whatever language is associated with that, then you can sort of write some rules that basically say, okay, tone down this like mm-hmm. giant bouncy fly in mobile yeah. or something like that. Is that, is it that feels like it should be the other way around. Like that you, um, you, you have a media query that progressively uh, enhances it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm from the, from what I've read, like WebKit, the WebKit blog just put out a really great, um, more detailed version of it, but I think it is more the like looking for the reduced flag and toning it down. But I wonder if you could make it the other way of like, you know, more progressive enhancement sort of thing of like adding it in if it's acceptable. Um, but yeah, that would be kind of a cooler way to do it. Uh, but, um, uh, I wrote a thing on a list apart talking about some of the motion that like could be triggering. I talked to a lot of people that had these vestibular disorders to figure out like what kind of motion should we be worried about? Cause it's not all of it. It's, you know, yeah. a button hover, probably not going to be an issue, <laughs> you right, know, and right, there's, there's right. such a, a, a range of the kind of animation you might use in a UI. And then there's stuff like, you know, what if it's a game? Does that change things? Like context is a really big deal too. Um, yeah. And then the, the WebKit blog recently put out a, an even more detailed look at some of the things that could affect people and how to handle it, like specifically in the context of that reduced mo- reduce motion query. A reduced motion query. So I thought that was a really interesting one um, as well. Like I think it's it's definitely something use, that's useful to be aware of because like you don't want to be on those extremes of like creating something that's going to make people sick in either way. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on the demo on uh, the WebKit thing now, mm-hmm. and I'm actually getting queasy just looking at some of this stuff. <laughs> well, some of it's like this. I mean, some of the examples of stuff that makes people sick, I'm like, when I look at it on my, like, giant 34-inch monitor, holy crap, it hurts me. Um, yeah. But, you know, like, but then on my laptop that's only 13-inch, I'm like, ah, I can deal with it. So some of it's completely even, like, device context, um, which yeah. I think is fascinating. Um, but I'm a weirdo. So, so what you're saying is that every site should use parallax for everything? Constantly. Um, 3D cubes, just move the parallax. buttons around as you're clicking on them. <laughs> just wrap it all in the, in the, the uh, progressively enhanced motion media feature. So if browser supports parallax, go nuts. <laughs> Could you imagine? Everyone would just turn off their parallax support if that was the end of it. <laughs> And I love that parallax uh, would be like given that kind of weight that there would be parallax support. <laughs> I don't like this future world we are coming up with. Oh, it's uh, going to be even better with VR. <laughs> oh my uh, goodness, yeah. That's a whole other thing though. I mean, VR, I don't even know. It's just um like when it comes to animation and environments and like all of this stuff with like uh, vestibular disorders and even just like anything, that's so much different when it's VR. Um I don't know. That's going to be interesting to find or to find out about. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we can talk to you about it in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, when we're all living that. in the matrix. Yes. In our like <laughs> virtual VR podcast couch or whatever it was, people be podcasting <laughs> on then. <laughs> I want that to be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, all right. I it's but we could probably talk about we could paint a whole picture of a dystopian (laughs) future if we wanted to but uh just looking at the time we should probably wrap up but uh this has been uh crazy helpful i think that again just like thinking about the evolution of of design systems and like what goes into sort of these like next level more sophisticated design systems that that think about more things that consider more things and i I think that like 
talking about this through the lens of, of animation is, is fantastic and just really enlightening to say like, yeah, here's how you take something and, and really elevate it to, to a level that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do if you're just like sort of rebuilding the same card pattern mm. over and over and over again. It's like, here are these, these great opportunities to like, to, to take things to the next level. So, so thank you for that. That's great. No, thanks for having me on. It was a really fun chat. Anna? <laughs> <laughs> Anna. Anna, are you there? Are you all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm there, I'm there. I, I just, I, I didn't know what to say. Okay, well. This is how we always end our podcast. This is how we, we end our podcast. Giggle. Giggle and awkwardly say, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Val, thanks again for, for coming on the show, and we will see you next time.